Although we can't go back in time, we can reflect on our past experiences and learn from them. But wouldn't it be so amazing if we could? If you could, what would you tell yourself? This is Letters to My Younger Self. I'm Liz Gardner. Join me as we talk with some of my favorite people about their life stories and how they've learned and how we can become a little better by hearing their incredible stories. Dear Younger Olivia, your strength has no limits. Life will bring on challenges that may test your inner strength and faith, but you are strong enough to see yourself through. Today on the podcast, I have Olivia Luke. She's an incredible woman and she is also a military wife. I met Olivia through my sister, Marianne. So for those of you who have followed from the beginning, Quan, the one who talked about how basketball saved his life, this is his wife's best friend. And if you haven't listened to Quan's episode, you should go back and listen to it because he is awesome. Today with Olivia, we're going to talk about her experience being a military wife and how she found out she was pregnant. Her husband was going to be overseas when they had their first baby. We talk about her experience with delivering a baby via FaceTime while her husband was living in Kuwait and all the feelings and emotions and things that she went through. She is an amazing person. She's such a loyal friend. She was actually able to be on the Ellen show with my sister for the Mother's Day special. My favorite part of the interview is her talking about the reunion and the first time her husband was able to meet their little girl. And I hope you enjoy learning from Olivia. Thanks so much for being on the podcast today, Olivia. I'm so excited to talk to you. Thanks for having me, Liz. I'm really excited to be here. I've been looking forward to it. I know you through Marianne. It's been a long time since we've talked. Because she loves you, I love you too. Well, thank you. I know I love Marianne. Your whole family is pretty much amazing. I'm like, I love your whole entire family. But I'm pretty sure the last time I saw you was at Marianne's wedding. So it has been Yeah, it has been a while. Olivia, can you tell us about where you grew up and what your childhood was like? Yeah, so I grew up in 29 Palms, California. And if anyone listening is like most people, no one has any idea where that is. (laughs) So it's really close to like Joshua Tree National Park, which has actually gotten a lot more popular recently. So I feel like 29 Palms is finally kind of on the map. (laughs) It's a super small town out in the desert. It's actually, ironically, a a military town. There's, in fact, one of the largest land sizes in 29 Palms. You were just born to be a military wife, right? Well, the funny thing is, is growing up, you know, in high school, ironically, I was, my dad, like in high school, would always tell me, like, stay away from the Marines, because there was, you know, 18-year-old Marines that would try to hang out with senior girls that were almost 18. And here I am, and I actually ended up marrying a Marine, which is kind of funny. But grew up, I'm the youngest of three. I have three older sisters, and there's a pretty large age difference between all of us. You know, growing up in this in a small town, looking back, I have really fond memories of my childhood. I think life was really simple. You went outside, you played, you played in the dirt, you built forts. I had a couple of boy cousins that were my age that we were really close. So I think I was kind of a tomboy. 
I remember like catching lizards and stuff, which now that just doesn't sound fun to me at all. We had a pool, so of course, really hot summers. I spent a lot of time swimming. I played volleyball in high school, which was fun. It was a great time. I, Looking back, I wouldn't have wanted to grow up anywhere else because I think it really, it sounds cliche, but it really does you know, have an impact on who you are as a person and where you come from, for sure. That's so awesome. Good childhood memories, for sure. Speaking of staying away from the military boys, how did you meet your husband? So we met in Provo, Utah. I graduated college, and I was actually living in Denver with my sister. And I really was ready for a change, so I found a job in Utah and ended up staying with a friend for a few weeks until I was able to find my own apartment. So I was staying with my friend and ironically, the townhome right next door to her became available. So I moved in, I found a couple roommates. Shortly thereafter, probably a few months, actually through my friend, who was my neighbor, the one that I stayed with when I originally moved there, a birthday party. And one of her roommates, who I'm actually very good friends with, Gina, you might know Gina. I know Gina. Gina was friends with the boys that lived across the street and Blake happened to be one of the boys that lived in the house across the street. So uh, they were invited to the party. So that's when I originally met Blake and I happened to be really sick and I actually didn't have a voice, which worked out in their favor because Blake ended up getting my number um, at the end of the night. He was like, Hey, you know, I know you're really sick. Um, Let me get your number and I'll text you tomorrow and see if you need anything. And we pretty much talked every day since then. So (laughs) it was like the little mermaid. You didn't have a voice, but he was able to still fall in love with you. Right. (laughs) Ariel. No, but that's, that's how we met and how we connected and the rest is history, I guess. Yeah. So was he interested in being a Marine at that time when you guys first started dating? No, (laughs) that's the plot twist. So he was at BYU. He's an econ major. He'd been dating probably for about a year. We'd been dating for a while. And then he started kind of talking, showing more interest in the program, in like being a pilot um, in the Marine Corps. So at first he wasn't, but then he started looking into it more and ended up pursuing it more. And then it all ended up working out. And I've heard a little bit about training to become a Marine, that it's one of the most intense trainings. Can you tell us what it takes to become a Marine? Totally. So it is really intense. I have such a great respect. I mean, not only for all service members, but especially women, (laughs) like, because they have to do the same training that the guys do. Like, they don't get any, you know, breaks in it. And seeing what Blake does, it like blows my mind that women are able to do the same thing, like physically, mentally, of course, as well. But like some of the physical like fitness tests and just different training exercises that they have to do are like super intense. A lot of respect for all the females that are, you know, serve in in any branch of the military. He got into the Marine, the officer program. So basically, you can enlist, and when you enlist, you don't have to have a degree. But if you want to be a Marine officer, you have to enter in with a degree. So that's why he went to BYU, graduated, 
and then he pursued getting into the officer program. So what does the training look like for him? So basically how it starts is the first part that you have to get through, which is the first like set of qualifications is to go to, they call it OCS, which stands for Officer Candidate School. And Blake actually completed that when we were still dating. It's about a two month, really intense course. So it's, I mean, mental, a ton of physical um, exercises, doing things in the field, like all kinds of things. And that's basically making sure that you are qualified to be a leader. So you really, it's like I said, it's a really intense training. So when he was gone, I was actually planning the wedding. Um, so that was the first step was going to OCS. So when you get through OCS, he was able to get into the flight program. So after OCS, well, the next part is called TBS, which is called, which stands for the basic school. It's another six month, um, kind of more basic training course in Virginia. After we got married, we moved to Virginia. And then after that, we ended up moving to Florida, which was the first, really the start of the flight school. So we were in Florida for about a year and a half. There he trained in two different aircrafts. One was a helicopter. The other was, it's called a T-6, which is just another um, platform to train in. So in Florida, um, he did ground school on top of flying. And then after Florida, after a year and a half, we moved to Texas. We were in Corpus Christi. We were there for six months where he trained in another aircraft. So as you can see, it's a lot of training and just kind of building on each other. So we were in Corpus Christi for six months. And then after that, we went to North Carolina for six months where he actually trained in the aircraft that he now flies, which is called, it's called the Osprey. I always tell people, if you watch any of like the Transformer movies, it's like you can see them in the Transformer movies. They they can fly like an airplane, but they can also fly like a helicopter. So they kind of transform. So after North Carolina, we got orders to officially be in California. So after North Carolina, that's when he entered, they call it the fleet, which is when he's actually like actively flying in the aircraft that he's contracted to fly in. Wow, that's intense. A lot of training. It's a lot of information. Hopefully I I was clear. No, that was great. And I'm not sure if you can talk about this, but Marianne was kind of telling me a little bit about how they treat them like a prisoner of war and some of the things that they actually do to help prepare them for combat. Are you allowed to talk about that? Yeah, there's a certain part of training that, I actually don't know much about. I just know that he left to go and do it. It was about a three-week course. And I know that's another like super intense part of the training, just to prepare them if they were ever in a bad situation, what to do and, and kind of how to handle it. But I don't know a whole lot more of what takes place there, but I know that it was, I know that it's super intense because I saw him when he came home and it looked like he'd been through some things, so... That took place when we were in North Carolina as well. I'm sure that's hard to see. Like, don't hurt my husband. Yeah, I was like, I'm happy that I actually, I'm, I'm, it works out that he can't tell me certain things because I think it's better for me just to not know. 
and have to think about it. So I remember before, you know, we started the journey of the Marine Corps and everything. I remember part of me is like, I want to know everything. Like, it's going to be weird that you can't tell me things. But now that I'm actually living the life, I'm like, I'm okay. Just kind of, you know, ignorance is bliss. Like, I'm okay not knowing certain things. Like, even when he was deployed, I kind of made it a point to not spend too much time watching the news and things like that, just because mentally I didn't want to start getting worried or getting anxious. And of course there's things that you see and you hear about, but I, I tried to just kind of block it out, I guess the best that I could with certain things. Is it in the Marines that they make them go in the water and they do some training and if they ring a bell, then they can't finish or is that, is that the right thing? I think you're talking about, it's called the Hilo Dunker, which was actually a part of the training that he did. Um, So basically it trains you how to get out of an aircraft if it does go underwater. So it's, you hop in like this device and they put you underwater and you're seat belted in and you have to, you know, get out of the plane underwater. So they teach you how to do that, which that's one thing that I've seen, which I think is pretty remarkable is the amount of training that they give you. It's crazy they really try to train you for anything that may possibly come your way that could help save your life in, you know, crazy situations um, as just as part of the training, training that they get. Wow. I can't imagine that would be really scary <laughs> to be <laughs> stuck in. I mean, like that's just your worst nightmare is being seatbelted in underwater. You're stuck. <laughs> I think I would definitely have a panic attack, but it gives you a whole nother respect, like you were saying, that these men and women who not only do it, but they're willingly signing up to do this to defend our country, which is I mean, remarkable. I always had a lot of respect, but now that it's like I can see these families and see, you know, see these people, they really do so much. And, you know, I'm, I'm super grateful for it, not only for my husband, but of course, everyone that, you know, that makes those sacrifices for sure. Do you know when he will be overseas or how much notice do you have when he's getting ready to leave? So with the last deployment, which was, so he left March, 2019 and he came home October, 2019. He knew about seven, seven to eight months prior that he would be leaving. Um, he's supposed to be deploying next year, but we're not sure on like an exact time frame as of now, but it's he's supposed to be leaving next year which would be uh, 2021 sometime and when he's gone how often do you get to talk so there's different deployments obviously to different places so Blake was actually in Kuwait when he was deployed last and thankfully we were actually able to FaceTime and talk pretty much daily unless he was out doing a mission or, or you know or he was gone for more of an extended amount of time So I was really fortunate to be able to see him and FaceTime him, especially once we had Stella, our daughter. She actually like totally understands FaceTime now. Like if I FaceTime my mom or my sister, she's like locked in because we FaceTimed like every single day ever since she was born. There are some deployments where like my friends, their husband were on, they call it a Mew, which is like an aircraft carrier, which as you can imagine, you're in the middle of the ocean Cell phone service isn't really a thing that that you have in a lot of places. So 
some of my friends whose husbands were on the boat, they would only get to talk to them like on the actual phone, like once every couple of months, which would be really, really difficult. They would be able to email, but again, it was kind of spotty communication. So that's something that I was super thankful for where Blake was, especially given our circumstance of having a baby while he was gone, is to be able to stay connected and to be able to really talk on a daily basis for the most part. Did you know he was going to Kuwait when he left or did you just know he was leaving and found that out later? So I knew that he was going to Kuwait. He's not limited to just staying in Kuwait. So I'm not sure exactly where he went. I mean, he would go and do missions in various places in the Middle East, but he was stationary in Kuwait at the base there. Can you tell us about your experience of um, finding out that you were pregnant and what was going on in your life at that time? So ironically, the day that I found out that I got like a positive pregnancy test was the day of the Marine Corps ball. (laughs) The Marine Corps ball. So every year the Marine Corps celebrates their birthday with a big like ball where you wear a formal All the guys wear their dress blues. You get like a fancy like evening dress. They have food and dancing and a ceremonial part uh, as well. So we were going to it that night. And that day is when I actually found out that I was pregnant. And of course, you're extremely excited. We've wanted a baby for a long time. So the joy was I mean we were super excited but then of course you know you count nine months and you're like well you're going to be gone and then it's suddenly and and we were prepared that that may happen when it actually happens it becomes very real (laughs) and so you start as as excited as you are there definitely were a few days maybe even you know a couple weeks or longer where you had moments of self-doubt or I can't believe that this is actually happening. One of the funny, I guess, ironic things is when Blake and I were dating and, you know, he was pursuing possibly getting into the flight program and everything like that. I was very anti, (laughs) I'll be honest. I was very like, are you sure? Like, I'm going to be honest, that's really not the life that I would want. Because I grew up in a military town, as I mentioned, and I mean, I saw the struggles. I had friends that were military. They moved a lot. There's great things about it, but there's certainly challenges with it as well. And so I told them, I was like, one of my biggest fears is I just, I do not want to have a baby while my husband's deployed. (laughs) And that was like part of the big argument. Um, And of course I came around and I supported him and it's been great. It really has. But looking back, that was like my biggest fear. So, of course, when I got a positive pregnancy test, I was excited, but I was also like, oh, my gosh, this is really happening. Like, and then you start getting ahead of yourself and thinking, well, who's going to be here with me? And, you know, we have to find a doctor and, you know, the list goes on. I mean, having a baby, especially your first baby, there's already so many things to think about. So it just added to that stress, if that makes sense. Totally. I When I had Hayden, my first, we were doing an internship in Dallas and I, we were moving back to Utah. I wanted to deliver in Utah because that's where we were going to be. I didn't want to travel with a brand new baby. And 
So I contacted my doctor and just kind of said, when do I need to come back if I want to deliver here in Utah? So he made me come back a month early. And it just so happened that the last day of Nate's internship was like the day before my due date. And so that last week, anytime I was up, he'd be like, lay down. Why are you going to the mall? You shouldn't be walking around. And But he bought a, a flight almost every single day with Southwest cause, so you could cancel it and everything, but just in case. And so he ended up flying. So he drove home like one weekend and then he flew out for something. I picked him up from like the airport and that night we, or that day we moved into our apartment and that night I started going into labor and then um, the next day I ended up having Hayden. But I remember having that fear that he wasn't going to be there. <laughs> and so, I mean, for you, you knew that that was going to happen. So I'm sure that was terrifying, especially you have no idea what to expect when you've never had a baby. Right. And I think that was part of it, too, is just like the unknown. And you're like, of course, you want you know, your spouse to be there. I mean, not only to be with you, but you want them to be able to experience the full thing also, right? Yeah. Seeing the baby born and holding the baby and all of those things that are such special moments, you know, when you have a new baby, especially for the first time, for sure. So So if you could go back and talk to yourself when you had first found out you were pregnant and kind of in this panic mode and give yourself advice, what would you say? I think if I could go back, I would just reassure myself to, you know, don't doubt you're strong, rely on those that are there to help you, which was a big part of, you know, how I was able to get through this experience is, you know, family and friends who were there for me. I have a really hard time. I'm very independent. I don't like asking for help. I like to do things on my own. So that was a really humbling experience for me is to be in a position where I had no choice but to rely on other people um, to make it through. So that's what I would tell myself is just to be strong. Don't doubt yourself, but don't be afraid to, you know, reach out and get help when you actually need it. You know, I felt like when I had my second... (laughs) Anyone who offered any help, I was like, yes, anything. Yes, I'll take it. I was like, it was so hard because I was just, we were, it was a hard transition for me and for Hayden and, and everything. So I was just like, anyone who offered, take a child, bring a meal. And, and I think that, you know, people really want to help. I think sometimes we think we're being strong by not accepting help, but I really think that it helps us to let people serve us. And it really brings you a lot closer to those people. Totally. So I had my, um, so my sister actually flew in and my labor went extremely long. (laughs) So I was really worried that she wasn't going to make it. And then she made it and ended up like just hanging out for like hours with me at the hospital. But my sister was there. She flew in from Dallas. My mother-in-law who was in charge of like FaceTiming with Blake. So she was on like, iPad mode like she had to hold up the iPad of course behind me I was like no one goes below the curtain so she was and then my mom and truly like without them without the the three of them I don't think I could have like 
handled it. <laughs> um, there was complications. I ended up having like an emergency C-section in the end. Um, I call it emergency just because it, um, after a couple days, I progressed and I was pushing for a few hours and then there was complications and then they had to rush me in and do a C-section. So it was all kind of crazy <laughs> how it ended up happening. But to have them there with me really, really helped. And then afterwards, my mom actually stayed with me for two weeks. And she was like, especially I live in a three-story townhome. So with a C-section, like walking up and down stairs is really like not ideal. <laughs> so she was like just doing everything for me. So for two weeks, she was there just helping me so much and then my mother-in-law came after that so for a month I had them with me and I think not only just like the physical help of having a second set of hands but like just having another person there since Blake was gone just emotionally was such a huge thing probably even more so than the second set of hands just being there with me really helped yeah and I think especially when you have a, a brand new baby it can be kind of isolating because you're not having conversations with them. It's not like it's, it's different, you know? And so I think having that emotional support is really nice. Obviously the physical help is a huge blessing too. Totally. So tell us about the experience of being, you know, having the C-section and Blake is on the iPad. What was going through your mind? How did Blake feel? How just, can you tell us a little more about that? Yeah. So ironically, so when we were getting ready to do the podcast, I had to go on the MacBook, which I never do because I'm usually on my iPad. And after we, we had Stella, I had downloaded all of the Skype recordings. So you could see me and him in the frame. And I downloaded them all and put them on the computer. And I kind of forgot about them. But yesterday, I actually opened up one of the videos and it was him seeing Stella for the first time. And I seriously, I just sat there and I started crying. So I was just like, it brought back so many emotions. Basically, how it worked is in the hospital, they were super like, understanding. He was with me, honestly, like from the moment I was admitted till the end. I have pictures of me just asleep. And my phone is on my stomach before I had her. And I'm asleep and he's just sitting there like, awake just like watching me like just to be there with me which was awesome because again thanks to modern technology I could feel his presence there with me even though he wasn't there when I they told me I had to have a c-section they took me in the operating room one of the things that wasn't so great is there wasn't cell phone service in the operating room so he wasn't actually able to be there during that time my sister's the one that went back with me for the surgery but shortly thereafter my sister was able to take the iPad and he was there like when they were weighing her and you know doing the measurements and all of that so he saw her really shortly after which was special and that's the video that I actually was watching yesterday during the process it was really easy for me to almost selfishly get into mindset sometimes of like especially when you're pregnant and you're already hormonal and you're just like, I can't believe I'm like by myself and like this totally sucks. And then I would have moments of, well, poor Blake, like he's also missing out. Like, of course he wants to be here. Of course he's like sad that he's missing out. One thing that Blake did 
amazingly is he always was able to keep a positive attitude, which really helped me try to stay positive through the whole process. But of course, you know, watching the video, I could feel it from him that he was so excited, but, but he was also missing out um, too, um, which was, you know, I mean, we both prepared ourselves for it, but then again, it happens and it's, it's very real at that moment. Yeah. So was he able to not have his military duties that day so he could watch or how did they take care of things on his end? Yeah, they were really understanding. Um, They basically gave him the day off um, and the following day because they didn't want him flying after he was up. And, you know, just emotionally, they just wanted him to kind of chill out for a day or so. Um, When I actually went into labor, he didn't have there's areas where he was like on the base where he wasn't able to have a cell phone. It had to be locked up, but I could access and talk to him through work email. So he always told me, he's like, don't email me at work unless it's an emergency. So, of course, like 2.30 in the morning when I went into labor, I emailed him and I'm like, just so you know, I think this is the real thing, but I'm also not sure because I've never experienced it. But just, you know, you're on standby because things might get crazy, haha, type of a thing. He wrote me back and then, the so that was like 2.30 in the morning and then I went to the hospital that next day. But they, they were really awesome in giving him, you know, time off to be able to be involved with it as much as possible. Yeah, that is, that's nice that they were understanding. And I was just thinking about before FaceTime or before modern technology, you wonder how many dads have missed the birth of their child and come home and have a new baby and, you know, that they didn't even almost really even have any part in that. Right. And I've thought about that too, especially, you know, World War II and I mean, all of the, the wars where Vietnam, where they were gone for, and their deployments weren't six or seven months, like they were gone a long time. So they would come home often to, so Blake came home to like, she was three months old when he met her for the first time. But, you know, thinking in past times, I'm sure they came home to much older babies where they've really missed out on a lot of, you know, the different phases. That's one thing I was really fortunate to have is when he came home she was still in that newborn phase almost transitioning out of it but she he was still kind of caught a glimpse of that real newborn baby phase which was fun that's really sweet it's like she just knew who her daddy was right and that's one thing too is like she was so little I mean I heard I heard mixed reviews of some people were like you know she's probably she might need to bond with him and she might only want you But I really think because of FaceTime, she was able, if anything, to recognize his voice because she like knew he was her dad like right away. Like there was no, like she loved being held by him, like skin on skin when he came home, which was really fun too because there wasn't any sort of a, you know, a transition there either, which was nice. That's really sweet. It's like she just knew who her daddy was. I know. The next deployment will probably be a little different because she'll be a little bit older and a lot of times they'll have a little bit of a harder time transitioning back when, when he comes home. So we'll see how that one goes. But While he's deployed, can you just tell us, you know, how do you do it for six months without having him around at all and like what support have you been able to get and, and what that's like for you? 
So the military community is really tight-knit. I'm sure you may have heard that before. Um, it's really awesome to be able to have friends and spend time with those that are going through the same thing. So, you know, there would be dinners. We actually did a, like a secret deployment buddy while we were gone. Think of it like a secret Santa. So once a month, you get a gift for the other wife whose husband's also deployed. At the end of the deployment, we had like a reveal party, which was really fun. You can see who you were gifting to and who was gifting to you. One of my really good friends, her husband actually was Blake's roommate on deployment. So Blake and her husband lived together. So it was great to be able to spend time with her. Fortunately, we live like 10 minutes from the beach. So we'd go walk on the beach or, um, I mean, just being able to text or like, hey, how are you doing? And being able to talk to someone openly about your feelings and knowing that they understand was very therapeutic for me. And I know for other spouses that were going through similar things, if anyone understands it's them because they're, you know, living the same life that you are They They understand the challenges and, you know, what's how you're feeling. So that was big. Of course, my family, I'm, I'm fortunate to live a couple hours away from my parents. So they would come out and see me or I would go and see them. Um, I had visitors, like my sisters would come to see me. So it was really great just to be able to spend time with people that lift you up and, you know, help you get through through hard times. I think some of it too is going back to just trying to have a positive attitude. And I, of course, wasn't perfect at it every day. There were some days where I would just cry and I was just feeling overwhelmed and scared and so many emotions. But um, I think trying to keep a positive attitude trying to stay busy. I, I was working up until a week before I had Stella. I work from home. So I had that, um, doing what Marianne does, your sister. She helped me a lot of times at work. I would vocalize to her through the chat and we would kind of chat back and forth. I do have a dog. She was like my total buddy until Stella came. Now I have two buddies, but having Lucy, and I know you follow me on Instagram, you probably see the Lucy pictures, but she really has been such a blessing to me through military life ever since, you know, going to Virginia and transitioning there. Cause there has been a lot of growing pains. Like I feel like with every move I transitioned better, but it, when we got to Virginia and I started working from home, I left, you know, all of my friends, a job that I loved. I moved to a place where I knew no one and I was working from home. So it was like, really easy to be really isolated, especially not having like the social aspect of a work environment. So I had Lucy and of course you meet people and that's one thing too. in, in the military is you never know. I mean, some of my friends here right now, I knew in Florida and their husbands fly and it's like the, the timeline aligns and we all end up in the same spot, which has been really cool too. That's awesome. And so what advice would you have for people building a support system? How can you get a group of people around you that support you and help you? I think some of it is just being able to have an open conversation about, you know, maybe if you're struggling or you're lonely, or sometimes it's just you initiating hanging out with somebody, um, you know, hey, do you want to come over? Or I'm going to go walk on the beach. Do you want to come? That was really hard for me. I never really have been in this position where I had to really try to meet people. 
mostly because I've either had college roommates, you know, that are, that's your circle of friends, or I worked at a really social environment in Utah where most of my friends were my work friends, but being isolated where, okay, if I want friends, I have to put in some work and like try to meet people and put myself out there was really difficult for me. And honestly, looking back, I probably could have been much better at it. And it maybe would have helped me during some more difficult times with the transition of kind of being lonely and adjusting to, I say a new life because military life is totally, it's totally different. Like I remember in Virginia being overwhelmed, like I didn't grow up in a military family. Going on the military base terrified me. Like going through and showing my ID, I was like afraid I was going to do something wrong or like get in trouble for something or, you know, say the wrong thing. But now it's gotten more normal and become really, you know, our life now. So I think I would just advise, give people advice of not being afraid to reach out um, if you need help or you're lonely, like I said, and finding ways to meet other people relying on, you know, friends, family, trying to stay busy um, as well. One thing that's helped me is exercise, like, especially during the deployment, like I made a point to get out of the house after working from home and like going and working out or going and walking on the beach or just doing something um, to kind of help with your mood as well. I am a firm believer in exercise. I feel like it totally changes your mood. And, you know, it's really interesting with my kids, even at a young age, like both of them, five and two, that they can be in a really grumpy mood. And if I get them moving, dancing, or just moving their bodies, it really changes their mood. If you can see it in a young kid that moving that can change their mood, it totally works for adults too. And the endorphins are real and they are very important for my general happiness. I feel like I definitely need that. You really are. It's like, it's amazing, like how much different you can feel if you just get out and do something. You know, even when I was pregnant, another great reason to have a dog is she needed to be exercised. So on the days that I just wanted to sit on the couch and do nothing, <laughs> I had a reason to at least go outside and go on a walk or do something. You know what I mean? And that helped too. Yeah, when we lived in Chicago, I felt like the only people that were outside when it was cold, people with kids and people with dogs, because the kids were stir crazy and the dogs were stir crazy and everyone else was hibernating inside. Everyone else was like, no way, I'm staying inside. Yeah. Tell us a little more about the experience when Blake met your daughter for the first time. Oh, man, I would be lying if I said... I didn't rewatch and rewatch and rewatch that video over and over and over. Mostly because that vision of, I mean, the homecoming, that's like every day that you make it through, through the deployment, you're just thinking of the homecoming, the homecoming, the homecoming, like it's going to be so fun. We'll be reunited. Like life will be back to normal. So I'd thought about that day, honestly, every day of the deployment. So the day finally came, of course I had Stella you know, a new outfit and shoes and headband. And she was like, ready to go ready for the photos and everything. But um, so you arrive on base, and it's such like a patriotic feeling of like unity, all of the families are there, they all have signs, there's flags, there's just, you can just feel the energy of people so excited, right to, to greet their loved one back home. 
So you're there and you're waiting around and waiting around. And then you see the guy go out and he's bringing in the buses. So they all come home on white buses. So the the white buses pull up and you're just, my heart is like beating out of my chest because you're just, you can't believe that the day is finally here and you can't believe that like you did it. Like you actually made it through the deployment, like your first deployment, some, the thing that you so many times doubted yourself, like I can't do it or I'm just so over it or this is so hard. So the day's finally here. They all get off the bus. And of course they all look the same because they're all in the same uniform. They all look the same. They all have the same haircut. So I'm looking, looking, and I spot Blake. He hops off the bus. But then they have to get in formation. So they have to do torture. Some some formation thing. But I'm watching him the whole time. And then they release them and they all disperse into the crowd, you know. So I'm weaving in and out of people. And then he spots us and he comes over. And of course, I'm sobbing. My mom's crying. My dad's crying. Blake's mom's crying. His sister, dad, everyone in the in the um, the hangar. I'm crying just thinking about it. <laughs> crying, and I mean, we we did like a family hug, and I just handed him Stella, and it was like the moment that I had waited for, like to see him with Stella, was like the greatest, the greatest feeling ever. So if you ever can go to a military homecoming, you should because they're amazing. <laughs> I don't know anyone. I just want to see this. That's so awesome. That's so sweet. I feel like the imagery of him getting off and being so excited and, you know, so much love. I'm sure that was an amazing experience that you'll never forget. Really? It's like, like such a sweet, like such a sweet moment. And of course, I made a sign. It said, um, I've waited my whole life to meet you. Welcome home, dad, daddy. So we had a sign. So we got some cute pictures with it. But yeah, just the the peak of because the deployment is super emotional, of course, but when they're preparing to deploy, emotions are so high because it's like, you know, it's this is our last dinner. This is our last weekend. This is our last, you know, time to do this as a family. Like you, you can't help but to mentally think about those things you know, or the last time for seven months, you know, when he was gone. But then like the last month is torture before he comes home because you're just like counting down the days. And then suddenly the time clock goes really slow because <laughs> you're so excited. <laughs> and, um, but it's fun. Like the last month is fun because you're like, wow, it's here. Like, what am I going to wear? Like, what am I going to, I have to organize the house and we have to like, because Stella basically took over our room, like his stuff went away. Because when he left, I put away all of his like bathroom things and I just put them away because they're just going to sit on the counter. And I think for me, it was easier just to like not see it. So Stella pretty much moved in the room. So I had to do some organizing to give him like his dresser back and things like that. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. And so now what is their relationship like? It's the best. I actually hear him upstairs right now. I think he's feeding. She loves Blake. She also looks just like Blake. She does not look like me. She looks just like her dad. <laughs> but she's gorgeous. I was just looking at a picture of her earlier today. I'm like, this is the most beautiful baby. You're so sweet. She's at such a fun age. So she just turned six months. 
couple weeks ago. And she's almost, I think, getting ready to crawl. But she's like in this exploration phase where she loves trying new food and just all kinds of things like loving her toys. She can sit up and play now. She plays peekaboo. So there's a lot of fun things that like he can do to play with her and interact with her, which is really fun to see too. And she loves him. Like he comes home and walks up the stairs and she just big smile, reaches out her arms, like just wants him to pick her up. That's so sweet. I love that. So when is the next big deployment? You said maybe sometime next year. Yeah, it's scheduled next year. I don't have an exact month, but next year sometimes. So she'll be, what, a a year and a half, two years, something like that. So are you more nervous this time, or do you think it was more nervous the first deployment? I think this deployment will be easier for me. (laughs) Just because I won't be pregnant or thinking about that. I won't be having a baby. I won't be recovering from having a baby. Of course, there'll there'll be different challenges this time around, but I don't think as far as like a hard deployment, I don't think anything can top the first one for me personally. So, and this time it's like, I'll have her, my little buddy, like we'll get through it together. And like, even this last deployment, like she really helped me the last half of the deployment. Like, although it was hard and difficult, you know, with the newborn, after my help left, I had her for two months trying to figure out everything kind of on your own once your help leaves she really was like my little buddy like we got through that deployment together and I'm just thinking the next deployment will be no different she'll be she'll be my little buddy again I think this next deployment may be even harder for Blake because he's bonding with her so much like having to say bye to her I think will be really difficult but hopefully you know, he'll be going to a similar place or the same place where we'll be able to FaceTime regularly. Do you have a hard time when he comes back kind of readjusting? I feel like Nate, he would travel forever for his job. He'd be gone Monday through Thursday. And I kind of got used to sleeping. I, at first I was like, I can't sleep without you in the here. And then I'd get used to having like the bed all to myself. And then he'd come back and I'd be like, I can't sleep anymore. Do you have a hard time transitioning from like having them there to not, or are you just happy to have them home? I mean, I was mostly just happy to have him home, but like, I can totally understand and relate to what you're saying, especially because, you know, when Blake was gone for six and a half to seven months. And one thing I didn't mention too, is there's it's called pre-deployment training. So before he deployed, he was gone for six weeks. So that was another part of the training leading up to deployment. So he was gone a lot last year. Once he came home, I can totally understand and relate to you where there's, you get used to doing things your own way, especially with Stella. Of course he came in and was just like a natural dad, like picked it all up. It has just been awesome with her. There was definitely some things that, you know, I was used to doing or I, I got in the habit of doing, which changed. Or he has to wake up early for work. So now it's like I can hear him getting up and getting ready when before, I you know, the house was silent. So there's little things. But those are, I mean, of course, things that I love because he's actually home. But there's, you know, things that change when when he does come home. When people would say, oh, is it hard when they are gone? And I definitely missed him when he was gone. But you kind of get into this routine. And sometimes, like, the transitions were, like, a little hard to go back and forth but totally yeah I can relate to that for sure 
Well, my last question for you is if you could go back in time to any stage of life and give yourself advice, where would you go and what would you say? I would go back to 26-year-old me, which is how old I was when we kind of embarked on the the journey of military life. Um, I would tell myself, you know, just to never underestimate your abilities and your strengths. Um, you know, going through hard things really does help refine you as a person. You learn so many things about yourself. Um, you know, going through this deployment, it really allowed me to build a lot of confidence in myself and what I can do. Things that I always doubted, you know, before that I that I could do, how I said I was worried about military life and I, I didn't really want it all because of those fears and, and the worries that I had. But um, yeah, I would go back to 26 year old me and I would tell myself just to not, un, not underestimate myself um, stronger than I think that I am. You know, you can do hard things and make it through a better person. I love that. Well, I think you're amazing. You're positive and wonderful and a great mom and a beautiful person, both inside and out. Well, I feel the same way about you too, Liz. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for being on the podcast. This was really fun. Thanks. It was. Thanks so much for listening to Letters to My Younger Self. Your support means so much to me. This podcast has been such an amazing experience for me. If you like the podcast, please share it with a friend and write me a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks.